Well, hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime here again in Berks County, Pennsylvania, once again on this beautiful global warming Saturday right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL Radio. We're here every week, and we've been here every week for the last five years because people like you have identified us as a source for truth, a source for truth, folks, that you like getting a a perspective, a, a true perspective that you can only get here by on this show on at this time of the week. So thanks for being with us today on this show as you've been with us routinely every every Saturday for the last five years. We truly appreciate it. Um, we're going to get into the stories today. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Silicon Valley, the SV, the Silicon Valley Bank Financial Group, uh, that, that collapse. We want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we want to talk about what incompetency looks like and why incompetency and and what happens with uh, with that? And of course, um, you know how how our government experts are telling us not to panic. Everything's okay. We'll talk a little bit about that. And uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about what incompetent leadership looks like and how I think contributed to the bank collapse. These are objective perspectives you're getting from us because, well, that's why you're tuning into us. We're going to give it to you at the speed of sound. So, folks, let's jump right into it. So we've had the uh, financial group, the S- the SVB financial group, uh, now is filed for Chapter 11 protection. They started yesterday. They did this whole thing. It's the largest bankrupt- bankruptcy filing ever following a bank uh, bank failure since, uh, I guess, Washington Mutual back in 2008. So this was a huge collapse, uh, and, and everyone knows it. The Silicon Valley Bank collapse uh, last week was, and it, again, it was the... Uh, it was the uh, you know the a huge collapse. I mean, a lot of money went. A lot of people lost a lot here. Um, I think the Wall Street Journal um, also commented on the Chapter Eleven petition names asset managers. They basically they they put on there a bunch of people that are um, you know part of all this. But the Silicon Valley Bank was was um, you know the whole thing. What what brought this collapse on? You know, and this is what people are not understanding. What what caused this? And again, a lot of it had to do with investment bonds and what went on with that. And, you know, um, it was interesting because uh, uh, I guess it was on Cudlow. I think it was uh, there was something on um, on Cudlow where um, they were talking about, uh, you know, how uh, the cheap money ecosystem. OK, they were talking about that. Um, and, uh, you know, they were talking about how um, it was Carney on Cudlow basically said that. Uh, that's cheap money he was looking for. So he he made a recommendation. He said cheap money ecosystem that the Fed that the Fed that the uh, the startup culture has come to an end with the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. But I thought was interesting on this is that it, it created an implosion in this bank. Okay, one of the problems for the uh, Silicon Valley Bank was when the money was so freely available to all these startups, they didn't really borrow a lot. So they had a they had a ton of deposits coming in and. Not a lot of opportunity to make loans out to people. So, I mean, the bottom line is, I mean, you you can you can lend money so people can buy a yacht or whatever they want to buy with it. They know, um, you know, but you know, the, the the reality is they they have way too much. There was way too much money. So, I, so when they invested in bonds, you know, Bank of America, I think was I think has twenty five percent of its assets in bonds. You know, and and this bank had over fifty percent of its assets in bonds as well. I mean, a lot of these banks had their assets and bonds, and and uh, 
when the uh, yield curve inverted, these bonds incurred a negative return. So they're losing money. So what happened was, again, at the, at the, when they raised these interest rates, it caused a problem. You see, all these startups who are depositing all this money are now withdrawing it because they don't have the access to free money anymore. So they need the money to, to, to handle what they got to handle. So they're withdrawing it just to pay their bills. And you, you're having the, the deposits go down and, and then they have to sell into a market where there's actually producing real losses, not just, you know, marking, you know, not, not just mark to, to market losses. So, um, you know, that's what sparked the panic, basically. I and mean, that's what happened. There was $2 billion, like a $2 billion loss of their assets, and like really fast. And uh, people like my, people were like panicking. They, I got to get their money out quick. This was like the, uh, you know, when you see It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart, that Christmas movie, and you see all these people racing to the bank to get their money out. Well, that's kind of like what happened. It created a rush on the bank. So the bank went to the receivership, okay? When the uh, California Department, last Friday, when the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation shuttered it, and the Fed and the Fed basically, uh, this is not very reassuring to the depositors. To the report of the, of the reportedly ninety ninety three percent of these assets, I should say, of the deposits are uninsured. So these these are people who are at these are people who are at risk of losing the deposits at least on paper. That's the fact. And I thought that was interesting too. But all of this had been exa exasperated by the Federal Reserve. Again, they were rate, rate hiking against inflation. This is what they were doing, trying to hedge against inflation. They caused all this. And again, this is also a California-based financial institution. So there you go again. All the incompetency in California, what's running things there. But what happens to, start to, to the startup culture now, because there's no cheap money post, so there's, there's no... There is no cheap money. So what's happening now is they're going to have trouble getting loans. So they're going to have trouble basically raising money because if you can't get if you can't get five percent on a treasury, if you if I should say if you can get five percent on a treasury bond, why are you trying to get ten percent on a very risky startup? And see, this is what people don't understand. When they raise these interest rates, the bonds get an inverted curve, and then people start putting their money in the different things. So you're not going to, you know, you're, you're not going to do that. You might as well just double down on, on leverage and get, get a treasury bond. So that's what they're going to have. They're going to have a lot of trouble, I think, being able to continue to raise money. And, and I think we're going to see a lot of the startups start to tilt over. This is what's going to happen. And this is just, this financial institution going to comply with just one of them. You know, the Silicon, this was a very well-respected bank, folks. I mean, if you can tip them over like this, this fast in just a matter of days, I think people are going to start to look and, and say, uh, maybe I shouldn't have my money in there, or maybe, or I don't want to name, uh, I don't want to name the names of the, the other banks because I don't want to, I don't want to start the panic, but maybe I should start putting into Wells Fargo instead. <laughs> I mean, this is what's happening. So again, I, I just think it's, in, it, it, again, uh, it's going to have a real impact and it's going to, it's going to impact the real estate market investments. It could very much. Those REITs could be very, very much in, in, uh, affected by this. Commercial real estate is in a lot of trouble. Now, what's going to happen is all the commercial real estate going down, there's going to be a lot of possibilities uh, out there now for other purchases. This is going to create possibilities. There's going to be a lot of people losing their shirts. And this is what I'm saying.
and I think it's just worth noting on that. But you know, you 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 want to you know you're 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 looking at what caused all this. You know, and it's incompetent leadership. It's incompetent leadership. I mean, like the the you know the 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 um, green woke and now broke. You know, I mean, this is what this is. You know, th this SBB is the second biggest bank failure in U.S. history. I mean, it's it's really it's it's a go low go bust. I mean, this is what you're looking at here. It's um, I, I to me, it's just very, 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 very telling. And I mean, you go, you when you um, when you look at the uh, you know, what happened, okay? When you when you look at exactly what happened, it claimed it had two hundred twelve billion dollars in assets. You know, that's what they claim to have. And uh, ninety three percent of those assets of the bank's one hundred sixty one billion in deposits were uninsured by the Fed. Which only covers accounts up to two hundred fifty thousand anyway. Okay, so you know you're talking about um, you know the just for starters, a lot of the CFOs, okay, the, the that's the people in charge of handling the company's money. They're going to have some uh, explaining to do on some of this too, because you, you're wondering what what happened on all this. But this the Silicon Valley bank officials are going to have to answer a lot of questions, including what role did the the wokeness play in this failure? And I I think there's some active here. Right? I mean, I mean when you look at it, okay, because environmental social governance, environmental social and governance, the ESG. I mean, this is a very relevant, pertinent question here. I mean. This is what's what we're looking at here. There's a considerable body of economic literature showing that woke investments aren't good investments. So, I mean, and this is where I mean, this is where I think they might we may be finding in later investigations where their money was and what caused some of this. But environmental, social justice, uh, social governance, if you will, ESG, uh, they those funds appear to be underperforming right now. And they, gee, I wonder why. Okay. Because you know what drives the marketplace, what drives the market, what drives investment is what people want. In business and capitalistic society, you decide, you determine what it is people want, and you give them more of it. And that's what they're willing to pay for, and then you just give them more of that. In a woke culture, you're defining an, an idealistic perspective as to what people want. You're putting that out there, and you're saying, okay, well, this is what I think people want. And you're putting this out there and you're making investments and these investments are appear to be underperforming right now. And I mean, you know, specifically, I don't know what investments they have, but a lot of this is going to be uncovered. But ESG makes less, costs more, and is a fraud. I think people, this is a, this is a quintessential exhibit A as to why we don't want ESG in government policy. Now, the Democrats were trying to put this through. ESG were, was in these bills that just got voted down, and this is why. It's it's uh because it only invests in 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 basically in uh, soothing the conscience of gullible trust funders, you know it might be uh, you know, I mean an ESG bank goes belly up and this was an ESG bank make no mistake about it that's why we started it as I by saying it was go broke go woke go broke because this is an ESG bank, and again they've got a lot of their they got a lot of their investments in these in these uh, type of things and and you know in these environmental what they call environmental, uh, social, and governance. Okay, so they got a lot. Of, they got a lot of money invested in these programs. I mean, it's kind of. I mean, the the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was urging um, was urging um, 
basically on on basically she was urging people to to get into ESG. Okay, I mean it was a delayed and disorderly transitions to a net zero economy can lead to shocks to the financial system. This is what she's basically saying. So Janet Yellen, I think, is part of the problem. She's another incompetent person. I mean, um, she's another one. And you know, what the bottom line is that there's the question of bailing out this <clears throat> beyond the, F- the FDIC requirements. As the Washington Post reported last week, I mean, there's been there's becoming a ferocious political debate about bailing this one out. But this is all about this this ESG environmental social governance stuff. It's what it is. The evidence continues to pile up that the that the environmental social governance is bad business. It's going to be bad. It's going to be it's going to be hard for financial officers across the spectrum. And banks and investment houses and pension funds and insurance companies and whatnot, university endowment endowments and, and whatnot, to argue that they can they can be woke while still uploading their uh, their their fiduciary duty, upholding their fiduciary duty. That's the duty that that duty is a heavy legal concept, you know, containing significant civil and even criminal penalty if it's, if it's violated. I mean, it's it their fiduciary their fiduciary duty is basically to look out for the best interests of the persons of money. It is. I mean, and and when you're going after this ideology, you're investing money in ways that that aren't the best investments, and these are things that are going to accord. It could cost them. But there's been there there have been there have been warning, uh, you know, about the dangers of ESG environmental social governance, including House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, who who also. Uh, some of those directly tasked with growing and safeguarding pension funds, such as West Virginia State's Treasurer Riley Moore, you know there's there's a there's a there's a new network of of investment overseers, the uh, State Financial Officers Foundation. Okay, I mean there's going to be a scramble, folks, as you know, as all the emperors, as all the leaders of environmental social governance, including Al Gore, Larry Fink, and BlackRock, and Maybe even, you know, Bono, I don't know, rushed to tell us that this is all fine, everything's fine. I mean, Janet Yellen, I mean, I mean, well, I mean she, 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 she's the big laugh on all of this. But, it, but it's a fiduciary duty, which is especially extensive because when it comes to federally regulated banks, it's huge. But, no, you know, nobody wants another depression. But let, let's consider... SVBs, okay, Silicon Valley Bank's fiduciary duty as we go as we go through the the bank's own statements, okay. I mean, here's a here's a uh, here's a headline from the January tenth, twenty twenty two Silicon Valley Bank's comments uh, commits to five billion. Check this out: Silicon Valley Bank committed to five billion dollars in sustainable finance and carbon neutral operations to support a healthier planet. Well, it sounds green to me. It sounds green to me. But was that the best use of the funds? You know, five billion dollars. As in five billion with a B. All we know for sure is that CEO Greg Becker chose not to address the fiduciary matter when he said, "Our ability to make meaningful difference for people in the planet and to address the systemic risk of, that climate change presents is magnified by the by the outsized impact of our innovative clients make." So was he looking out? Was he looking out for his investors? Was he? That's the fiduciary duty that's going to come out here. But this CEO, from what I understand, took all his money out of that bank. I thought that was very telling, too, when you think about it. I mean, um, 
there was there was he he took his money out of that bank and um i just think it's very telling here i'm looking up something here so bear with me and uh there was something i have here on that bear with me while i look at board here i'm sorry yeah okay so there it is the ceo sold three and a half million dollars of stock two weeks before the bank collapsed so the ceo of the silicon valley bank sold three and a half million dollars of his company stock just two weeks before the technology sector's primary financial institution collapsed so now he he sells his stock okay after he makes the investment of five billion dollars think about that okay think about that I mean, this is what we're talking about here. I don't think this was a great investment for this. Was just, this was that worked out very well for the Silicon Valley Bank investors and depositors. See, the Silicon Valley Bank has, has more to proclaim about ESG. So, I mean, there's even more there. I mean, we've already talked about the five billion dollars they put into that one that one program there, and um, I just think that's very telling too. I mean, they they put money into it. I mean, they talked about. They, they, you know, sustainable finance and carbon neutral operations. And this is what they talked about. This was in a, a headline that they published, I don't know, 10 weeks ago, okay? That they were uh, committing $5 billion in sustainable finance and carbon neutral operations to support a healthier planet. Okay, and then that was about 10 or 12 weeks ago, maybe 10 weeks ago. And then... Six weeks after that, he takes his money. He sells his stocks for three and a half billion dollars. I don't know. It looks awfully, awfully peculiar to me. But I, I'll tell you what. He's going to have some explaining to do. I really believe that. But it, there's more here, folks. I want you to. I want, there's even more to it than that. Their corporate philosophy of transparency and accountability. I mean, um, you know, basically, uh, on environmental, social, and, and, and governance performance (ESG) with the goal of building trust and evolving their policies and disclosures. So that's what they were all about, building trust. So they want to build trust. Okay, they want to build trust. That's what this is all about. Okay, they want to build trust and, and, and evolve their policies and disclosures. Although some have a funny way of building trust because it seems like I told you that he sold his money, right? He sold that stock off. I just told you that he did that. He did that about four weeks after that headline came out. So they make that big investment. Then four weeks later, five weeks later, he sells his stock. I think he knew something. And, you know, did he act on insider information? I mean, there's a whole other parcel of, of laws concerning that. Of course, there's a lot more to it. But it even gets better. It even gets, be it even gets better than that. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, when you when you look at this, and there's another, there's another, um, article here and another statement if you will another publication from the bank where they support entrepreneurs and high growth businesses at the forefront of innovation helping to advance solutions that create a more just and sustainable world our long-standing commitment to innovation combined with our deep experience supporting evolving technologies enables us to contribute to a healthier planet via our own efforts and those of our clients so what they're doing is they're basically trying to create, this CEO was trying to create a financial institution that would support woke policies, you know, woke innovations, uh, you know, green planet innovations. You know, the climate cretins basically became the CEO with the leaders of this bank, and they had a whole bunch of money they could play with, and that's what it looks to me like. But 
this, uh, you know, again, I, 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 yeah, this is all my speculation on all of this, but when you, it, it gets even more, it gets even better. Okay. I mean, it gets even, it gets even deeper because, you know, you might consider this, you know, now there was a, a now deleted tweet from, from one of the, uh, one of the top people there who identifies herself as a former hedge fund CEO, the, uh, the SVP collapse was devastating in more ways than one. They supported women, minorities, and, 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 and all these other communities more than any other bank. So there's people that came out and stated that they were big supporters of this bank because they were, again, they were the people that were investing in this woke theology, that this new religion of, of, of green and woke and everything else. So, you know, so, <clears throat> but again, this is what this is all about. So they, they invested their money into things that weren't going to bring the return. And and as she put in her tweet that this helped move one step forward again with the, again, it, it just, it helped them move forward what their, what their agenda was. But you know, it's again, you're, you're looking at what goes on the information's we're seeing right now that the, the fate of the uh, Silicon Valley bank is a, I think it's going to be a topic for, for congressional investigative committees. I think you're going to see a lot of this. I mean, going forward here, there's going to be a lot of investigations here. There, there may be big problems here for the CEO. I don't know. Um, you know, and I think the, uh, I think there, there's, there's, a, there's people that are looking at this very hard because they're wondering, they're wondering where their funds went. <laughs> they're wondering what, what happened. And for others, merely curious about how, how the rich play with other people's money. Okay. I mean, congressional hearings, I mean, again, the fiduciary responsibility. I mean, this is what this comes down to. If they're not acting responsibly with the money of the people, they're not, they're not looking after the shareholders. I mean, it all depends what the shareholders perceived. And I can tell you right now, I don't think people perceive bad investments. But again, he sold $3.5 billion of stock. And I mean, there could have been inside information. I don't know. There's something wrong here. But I mean, um, I don't know. This, this, sounds, this sounds awfully strange to me. But I mean, what does this all prove? It proves that the green economy is a house of cards. Okay, I, I think here in the real objective world, okay, we might we might all here on our show here we all share a common sus- suspicion that about that. I mean that, that we all that we might be interested to know that others seem to have uh, the sneaking feeling that we're we're feeling right now. Okay, it's interesting because after two years of relentlessly. Uh, anti-real energy policies, okay, <laughs> starting on day one, um, you know, O'Biden right now, his administration is reportedly poised to make a sudden shift to approving a new carbon fuel development in Alaska. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so 600 million barrels of oil, I mean, which is great news for America's energy consumers, okay, now he's looking to drill oil. But that's also 9.2 million tons of CO2 into the atmosphere. Oh, my goodness, which is a which is a downer for greens. Well, you know, it's a downer for greens because greens are against green, which is really interesting is we call them the green. We affectionately call them the green cretins here. But if they were really green, then why aren't they happy? Because the planet is greener. The planet is green. The planet is a greener planet today than it's ever been. So why are they down and why are they down and out? And again, why this big shift for, why this sudden shift towards big oil? You know, maybe it's political play. Maybe it's, maybe his, uh, his uh, playbook is, uh, you know, Biden's crude move to the center. I mean, he, he's trying to shift right now because he knows he's going to get clobbered. The moral of the story here, though, folks, is, is Biden really, really, really wants to get reelected. 
and that's what he's trying to do. I think that's wonderful. Okay, um, as he crashed everything around him, but he he understands now. He's he's got to do something because the people of this country want an investment. They want investment that they know they can count on. This guy ain't doing it. I think what's happening is he's listening too much to Gavin Newsom. That's what's happening here. You know, Gavin Newsom had, uh, you know, I mean, Gavin Newsom, I think, has something to do with this, too. I mean, he's another one that this this whole bank collapse uh, could fall on because he's another one. Um, he, he has to explain how the bank's failure since the 2008 financial crisis happened under his watch for Silicon Valley Bank. Again, you know, I mean, what happened there? What happened there? I mean, it, the Silicon Valley was chartered in California and headquartered in Santa Clara. I mean, that's what people need to know. And it, you know, had a reputation for overregulation in California, which is a state with overregulations. However, um, authorities had to step in. You know, had to step in until it was too late, and that's what ended up happening. But, but on, but again, Newsom issued a press statement, and he basically welcomed federal intervention to protect the bank's depositors. So he says, "Welcome to the government." He, he was welcoming the government. So. He said nothing about the actions or inactions of California regulators. So it's, I don't know, I don't. It's unclear to me why he was silent on on, on the inaction of his regulators. I mean, he he praises Biden. He says the Biden administration he acted swiftly and decisively to protect America's economy and strengthen public confidence in our banking system. Their actions, this their actions have calmed the nerves. This blah blah blah. So California is a pillar of the American economy. So you know, but the thing of it is, is that. You know, you're looking at what happened with Gab with Gamba Newsom. You realize, again, he's he's Newsom built a national reputation for progressive social views, but is uh, he's also presiding over electrical electricity shortages, homelessness crisis, wildfires, and then again, I, I think he has his. There's something to play here with these people, but I don't think it falls on Newsom. I'm just wanting to make a comment because it's you know I, I give him credit for some of it because it's his state. But you understand, I mean, folks, you have to realize, you know, when the CEO and lost his stock just before class, there's something to be said of that. There's something to be said of that, okay? And uh, I just think it's it's important to understand, I mean, what, what caused it, you know? But, I mean, um, I think it's important. Now, you got Janet Yellen here, okay? And she basically said... Uh, you know, she's basically saying we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye on things. We're gonna monitor this bank crisis. We're gonna monitor it. All right, so she's giving us reassurances that thank goodness, okay, Janet Yellen. You know, who looks like she's wearing a you know she's she's got a soldier's helmet hut. You know, when she when she walks around. But anyway, uh, she's got her brown shirt on. She's walking through the hallways of Washington with her brown shirt on, saying, "Oh, there, you know, we're we know everything. We got everything under control here. We're monitoring everything very carefully." She's saying. Okay, well, that's great to know. Okay, the the queen of competency and financial. I mean, she's she's making her commitments that the regulators shut down a, the Silicon Valley Bank and uh, basically the FDIC is going to protect the insured deposits up to a quarter of a million dollars. I mean, forgetting the fact that there's a whole lot more than that. Okay, I mean, but you know, Bob, the bottom line is that she was out there talking about the uh, you know all insured depositors going to have access to their insured funds. Well, that's not true. I mean, they're not. They only. Have of access up to a certain amount of money. We all know what happened. They just fired chapter they filed chapter eleven. I mean, we know that. You know, it's and again, I I, I can't I want to oh, I can't overstate this. It was the biggest bank failure since you know, since uh well two thousand and eight. I mean that's just something don't miss that. It's a huge, huge bank failure. 
But again, Jenny Yellen doesn't seem to get it, and she's she's part of the uh, exasperation I have with with you know. Again, she's on it not to worry. Don't worry about any of this. But I I, thought, I just thought it was interesting because the fake experts again, and and this is what I wanted to talk about was the fake experts. So Jim Cramer, and I mentioned this earlier in the show. Let me just get back to it. So Jim Cramer urged people to buy shares of Silicon Valley Bank last month. So Jim Cramer was on mad money. I'm, I wanted to get into this. I apologize I didn't do now, but I wanted to get into this now because well, I'm thinking about it, about Jim Cramer here. But again, he was talking about the bank being the ninth best performer to date, okay, uh, you know, stock performer. And he told viewers on February 8th, on, on mad money about the bank's parenting, about the bank's investment. He was pushing the investment. So he's touting the bank as the, the, that the bank was less dependent upon private equity and venture capital offerings. And it, he listed it in ninth place amongst his biggest winners of 2023 so far, along with other stocks such as Meta, Tesla, Warner Brothers, Norwegian Cruise Line, etc. But but this company is a merchant bank which with a deposit base that Wall Street has mistakenly been cornered by. <laughs> so what I thought was interesting was he makes a comment and, uh, you know, he noted the stock was the fourth worst performer of 2022, but it was worth buying because the stock was so cheap. So he's pushing the stock a couple of weeks ago. You know, February 8th, he's pushing the stock out. <clears throat> because, it, you know, again, uh, because it was a cheap stock. Being a banker, he says, to those immense pools of capital has always been a very good business. So he's pushing it as a good business decision. So <clears throat> he says one of the biggest winners of the year was this bank and i thought it was interesting so he's pushing people to buy the stock and he makes his remark again uh when at the time he made the remark just just to be clear the bank stock was trading at 320 dollars a share then one month later trading in the shares of the parent company was halted for pending news again that that the uh you know that that the that the stock plunged 63 percent shortly after the halt. Very, very telling, folks. Very, very telling. See, regulators shut down Silicon Valley stock in the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation because they said they, they would protect insured. But again, they 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 were just, they stepped in because they saw the collapse. But I thought it was funny because when I talk about fake experts at MSNBC, guys like James Cramer, he's one of them. He's one of these experts that claims to know something he, he doesn't know. And so these news agencies, I talked to you about this before. We saw, we talked about it before on our, on our show here. The reason I brought up Kramer, because he's touting the stock on February 8th. And literally three, two weeks after that, the CEO sells all his, you know, three and a half million dollars of his stock. Go figure that one out, folks. Go figure that one out. You know, I, I just think there's something to be said of all that. And that's just what I wanted to put on there. You know, and uh, I want to get a little bit into uh, what was a, uh, there was something Trump, topped the iTunes chart. I wanted to talk about that. Trump actually had something that topped topped on iTunes. I know it was interesting. So he beat Molly Miley Cyrus and Morgan Wallet on iTunes, okay? He had a uh he had a uh an iTunes single <laughs> called Justice for All. And again, uh it was a tribute to the January sixth prison prisoners that that features the J six prison choir. An ensemble of prisoners who can be heard chanting, singing the national anthem while Trump recites the Pledge of Allegiance. I thought that's interesting. So, as of a week ago, that 
that iTunes Justice for All it overtook si- Miley, Miley, Miley Cyrus's Flowers, McGraw's Standing Room Only, and Morgan Wallen's Last Night on iTunes National Rankings, making it the number one song in America on the platform. I thought that's delicious. <laughs> I mean, that's delicious. Of course, you can buy it for $1.29. Um, you can buy it there. And, you know, I, I just look, I, I just think that Trump it's really interesting because people, Trump's got a lot of, a lot of support here in this country, but it seems like everything that that guy touches turns to gold. I mean, now that he's a, now that he's, he's topping on the iTunes, the iTunes chart, that was interesting too. But let's talk a little bit about um, the Oscar joke and the woke theme park problems. Okay. The Oscars came out last week. I thought it was very, very uh, interesting. I mean, uh, Jimmy Kimmel um, basically hosted it. Now, you know, just to put it in perspective, they had 16 million viewers. That might be a lot of viewers to some people. But the Oscars, it was not uncommon 15, 20 years ago for the Oscars to bring in 40 or 50 million viewers. The Oscars were probably the second most watched event of, of any year. I mean, you got the Super Bowl probably has more viewers than the Oscars, and the Oscars after that. There isn't anything that has more viewers than the Oscars. Okay, I mean, he, he, I mean, arguably the Oscars get as many viewers, if not more, than a State of the Union address. The State of the Union address has people on every channel watching it, right? I mean, those are facts. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, 10 years ago, the Oscars had 40 and a half million people watched it. Okay, now they had 16 million. So 10 years later, they've lost a bunch of people. Now, you know, by the bottom line is, I think it's more humiliating that, that see, uh, to see that many fewer viewers, all right? Nearly 24 million fewer viewers. That's the entire state of Florida, folks. 24 million people is the state of Florida. All the people in the state of Florida, that's how many people, fewer people watch the Oscars. Now, to put it in perspective, 16 million is as many people that live in Pennsylvania and why don't we just say maybe Maryland? Okay. That's a lot of people. But um, more than, but again, uh, 23 and a half million tuned out. Okay. So quite literally, if you look at it, I mean, over the course of 10 years, they've lost almost two and a half million people a year for the last 10 years. That's a lot of people that, a lot of fewer viewers. Okay. A lot of fewer viewers. And, 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 you know, it, it comes down to, I mean, you know, grading the, the grading the 16 million people who actually tune in. I mean, are they really, I mean, are they really interested? There's a lot of people that are infatuated with what these people think. But, you know, the, the Oscars and all those smug hosts and those people, okay, they're, they're, they're basically loathed by about 95% of America. But when you look at the, uh, when you look at the, the actual people at UD, again, 16 million people actually couldn't wait to see them. It's like 10% of the voters in the last election. Okay, that's just the bottom line. I mean, th- think about the uh, think about the movies. Th- think of the movies. Okay, let's look at the movies, okay? The movies that last year that the, the that Americans did watch, okay? Okay, Top Gun, Maverick, okay? Um, Elvis, Avatar 2, okay? I mean, those, those movies, they're, they're, they're the only ones that anybody that wasn't really woke <laughs> enjoyed. But none of those none of those movies won any of the major awards. 
you know, they use Top Gun basically <clears throat> to advertise the telecast, but the American people, when they watched it, they they, they were those sixteen million were were hoodwinked into wasting their their precious Sunday night to watch again this bunch of pretentious anti art, anti human nature movies that no one wants to watch anyway. Not even for free. Okay? You know, so why did we why do we used to look forward to the Oscars? I mean, people, like I told you, many, many, many people used to watch them all the time. You can watch Johnny Carson or Billy Crystal. They would host it, but not anymore. Not anymore. I mean, it's just really weird. I mean, you, you look at it. I mean, you know, the, I, I, I mean, Jimmy Kimmel, I think, touched gold and turned into something worthless. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I just think it's really amazing. But I, I, uh, I wanted to comment on that because, again, the Oscars... I mean, what, what, again, I, we talked about this last week and why people aren't tuning in. You've got so many, you got so much opportunity right now with people and they're just missing out. They don't want to watch movies that aren't funny, aren't interesting, that are promoting a message. It's like trying to watch a news agency with, with Jim Cramer on there, trying to tell you to buy stock in a company. It's one of the best performers, anticipated performers. This guy gave us his assurance that that SVP stock was one of the best performers of 2023. Buy it now. Literally three weeks later, the CEO of the company sells his stock off. Okay, so, I mean, this is, I mean, I, I wouldn't buy anything that Kramer suggested that I buy. That was one of the worst suggestions he could ever come up with. But again, they, they're looking at it like they don't see a problem with it. You know, they don't see a problem with it. And, and you know, you look at what's going on with Disney. Disney's falling apart. I mean, Disney's streaming services are down. Their, their parks are down. Right now, it used to be years ago. It used to be years ago that Disney was one of the top internet search for vacation certain destinations. Today, they're out of it. They're, they're not. They're not. They are out of the top internet searches for travel destinations right now. They're not even in it. Okay, their movies are laying giant goose eggs at the box office, and its streaming service is struggling. I mean, they're losing their shirts. I mean, they they put themselves on full display. This is what's happening. People know what they're all about. You, know, you think about it. I mean, Disney. You know, the mouse the mouse house is big resort in Florida. Again, it's not it's not showing up in the searches at all. And Disneyland in California only made it to the top ten in its home state. Think about that. I mean, nobody's nobody's looking for them anymore, and uh, you know that's really that's a very bad thing. You know, one indicator that you're losing your shirt is when your internet audience, when people searching you on the internet, starts to decline. When you start seeing people not interested in what you're offering, and they're not searching you on the internet, they're not hitting your website. I mean, some some companies have tremendous website activity. Well, they monitor that. They want to know the clicks. They want to know what they're getting for clicks. So they're monitoring that. So when they see a decline, you know, the CEOs of these companies see a decline, they're knowing that they're losing a reputation. You're going to fight to stay on top. You got to fight to stay on top. In any industry, in any business, you got to fight because it's a very, very aggressive marketplace. When you think about Disney, Disney right now is trying to compete with other vacation spots around the world, okay, around the country. And, you know, in trying their, in their, trying their best to compete and trying their best to, to, to create a, a destination place for families. People aren't, they don't want to go. A lot of the negative publicity, they got a whole lot of negative publicity. When they were fighting 
DeSantis in Florida. They killed themselves, <laughs> literally shot themselves, not in the foot, but I mean, they shot themselves in the, in the artery. I mean, they, they shot themselves through the heart. I think they really did, they did themselves a tremendous injustice by doing that because people started looking at it. They, they, it made the news. So a lot of these corporate fake news agencies like CNN and MSNBC were out there with their fake experts talking about how Disney was standing up to DeSantis. So they were making the headlines where they were trying to trash DeSantis. And in their quest to trash DeSantis in the news, they were highlighting the story of what this was all about. And so people that watch CNN and MSNBC and in Fox as well, or any news agency, people that were watching the news are suddenly getting a story that Disney was fighting DeSantis. Well, what are they fighting DeSantis on? Oh, they're fighting DeSantis on this woke, on this DeSantis's fight against woke theology and ideology. Why are they fighting him on that? Oh, because they favor it. They promote it. The people that run the company in Disney are running the company with a woke theology. And this is what they're saying. And then all those details came out. All those very significant details came out. And that's what really took it down. So when all those details came out, people started saying, what's this all about? I'm not going to go. Oh, my goodness. I'll bring my family here. So all the everybody got turned off. Then, of course, it doesn't help them when they put movies together that nobody wants to watch. That doesn't help them at all. Okay, so they're putting movies together that nobody wants to watch. So they're, they're producing horrible movies. They're, their streaming service stinks. And again, they're, they're in a scenario where people aren't interested in listening to them and, and tuning into what they have. And uh, they wonder why they're losing viewers. They wonder why they're losing people on, you know, they're, they're losing um, people that, uh, you know, vacationers, okay? They wonder why their theme parks are thinning down. This is why they're laying everybody off. I mean, you know how many people actually got rid of their Disney Channel subscription on on paid for television. You know, when you're buying channels, you're paying for streaming services. Nobody wants to be lectured to. Nobody. And when they're creating movies that lecture to society, that society is something that is not. And you're 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 lecturing. I mean, you know, it's like if you go to a party and start talking politics, you're the one that nobody wants to be around all the time. Unless of course you're at a party with a bunch of people involved in politics. Okay. That's a little different. But go to a family party or something. If you're not talking about things other than politics, you're turning people off. I mean, people who are interested in politics, who agree with you, your form of politics will talk politics with Because they don't agree with your form of politics, they don't want to talk politics with you. If they're not interested in politics at all, then they don't want to talk politics at all, which is most of the population. So what's really interesting is when you listen to, and what woke is, woke is putting politics, it inserts politics into a TV show. I remember watching Happy Days and, and shows like Maud, Happy Days, and, and other shows um, when I was a kid. The Jeffersons, other funny shows when I was a child. And I remember watching, and all of a sudden I remember how they got political. I'm keeping in mind, I'm only like 13, 14 years old watching these shows. And I used to laugh at them, and then I stopped laughing at them. So they're putting movies, I should say, sitcoms, situation comedies together, and that weren't funny. So when they're putting movies together that, that don't have a sense of humor and they bring us, I mean, like in, in the movie Maud, when her husband and her got a divorce and they actually got in and they actually had a discussion about having a divorce and going to see attorneys. I remember that episode. They get, why did I watch this? Why was this put on the TV? This is supposed to be a comedy. 
what am I laughing at? There's nothing to laugh at here. This is very serious. So they, they literally forced into, they injected into the equation a serious, you know, life disturbance, if you will, and somebody losing their job, or I should say somebody uh, being going through a divorce. And uh, that person going through a divorce and bought in her husband. I mean, it's a fictitious character, characters in a fictitious show, but it was a situational comedy that they took the word comedy right out of it. It became a situational drama and literally became like a, a, a Days of Our Lives episode that nobody wanted to watch. But I remember watching that going, oh my goodness, it became very unfunny very quickly. You know, happy days when the, when Fonzie jumped the shark. I remember when he jumped the shark, it was like the, the one episode that turned off all those viewers on the happy days. I mean, it, it just wasn't funny anymore. It was not It was not a show that people wanted to, to get into. So a lot of this is what goes on. So when, when people put together things that aren't funny, when they put together things that, that aren't humorous at all, what happens is when that happens, and they're they're literally creating a scenario to where they're running viewers off, they're running subscribers off, and in Disney's case, they're running Disney subscribers off. So this is what they did: they created a scenario and they did it to themselves. It was a self-inflicted wound. That's what Disney did, and so they have they have nothing to, they have nobody to thank but themselves. And quite honestly, um, it's it's what happens. It's what happens to a company that goes woke. They usually go broke. And uh, you know, again, they're they're they they end up changing their CEO out, but that doesn't matter. Again, you know, they're proud of it. You know, they're proud of their woke theology, and they went through. They 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 basically challenged DeSantis. I remember they actually challenged the guy, and it created all this news. And it was the worst kind of. Again, these people believe this religion. This is a religion to many of these people: climate change and all this other nonsense. So they live and breathe this stuff, and they live in an echo chamber. So they believe that this was real. So they they took this into a corporate setting and decided to make their 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 primary service objective, if you will, their their company's mission statement. Okay, became something that of a woke mission, and literally no one was interested in it. And that's the thing that I wanted people to understand. This is why they lost their shirts because they did this to themselves. They did it to themselves. It's like the Oscars, like I told you, to go from six to go from, you know, forty plus million viewers ten years ago to this, to sixteen million is a, is a joke. It's an absolute joke. And uh, but I wanted to, I wanted to uh, you know look it it you know you wonder what it is that motivates people. You know, and again, you talk about woke ideology. So people are motivated by different things. You know, people that are Christians are motivated by their faith. They're motivated by a, a faith in, in God, the faith that, you know, that they want to trust that, you know, that they're saved and that their their loved ones can be saved and whatnot. There's people that are motivated by different things. So people are motivated by, by the Green Cretans, uh, you know, theology, ideology, and they end up running companies like Disney or Silicon Valley Bank, okay? Then you got people that are families and people that, like a Seattle family that literally drove, okay, literally drove, okay, 2,600 miles to adopt a dog. That was an actual story. I wanted to share this with, with everybody, our listeners here. I thought it was interesting. Now, I don't know these people. I have no idea who they are, okay? So I'm not going to mention them by name. I'm just going to basically mention the story in, a, in an overall 500-foot flyover because I just think it's interesting. 
I first off, I want to comment. I think it's really neat that a family wanted to adopt a dog. I, I'm a dog lover. I'm a, an animal lover. I, I, you know, I don't think I drive 2,600 miles to adopt a dog. I mean, it, you know, if you're traveling at 70 miles an hour, that's that's almost a 40 hour drive. That's like a 35 hour drive, a 32 hour drive. Okay, that's a long way to go. Okay, to uh, to go adopt a dog. So you know, they basically they, they adopted this dog. And uh, they went all the way down there. And they got it. So they they go down the Humane Society down in San Diego from from, from Washington State, and they uh, they they adopted this dog, this husky dog, and that's the story. But I guess the the same. I, I think what's it's a warm, heartwarming story because you know, like I said, it's really neat that people are uh, <clears throat> willing to do that. But it's people that are willing to do that type of thing that might be that might be also the type of people that believe in things that contradict their 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 humanity in that sense people might see that as a humane thing to do and i do i see it as a very humane thing i think it's a wonderful thing but we all encounter people and i think this is where i'm at on this i just want to take this into a general conversation not about these people but about just the general generality of the conversation we see people that go out of their way to help people or to do things that are humane you know you might see somebody who rescues a baby bird okay um, you know, did whatever, you know, brings it back to life or, you know, goes down to the oceans after an oil spill to clean the ducks off with the Dawn soap. We've all seen that. Or actually go down there to clean the litter out of the, out of the, out of the wetlands. Okay. The litter, picking up the litter and cleaning it all up or things like that. People that go out of their way to do these things that literally go out of their way to clean the environment. Well, people that go out of their way to rescue a dog or rescue a cat or <clears throat> that are willing to risk light that you know, life and limb, the, you know, to climb a tree or to go into a, uh, you know, into a, a burning building to save an animal. You see people do this all the time. You know, people that are willing to do this, but these same people who won't give their fellow man a break, who won't give their fellow man a, a, a leg up when they need a help or a leg up when they need one. These are things that you look at. You know, you see people that are against protesters and an abortion clinic, okay, that are trying to, people that are against the people that are trying to protect unborn babies that the vitriol against those types of people you know and you wonder that that the people that are expressing that vitriol are the same people who would storm a burning building to rescue a dog or drive you know you know drive miles and miles to rescue an animal i mean that's the you know like okay well you know it's just inconsistent okay what i'm saying is inconsistencies with people the acts themselves are wonderful. It's a wonderful thing for somebody to to be willing to rescue an animal or to to you know to to uh, to do a, a wonderful act for their fellow human being. I mean, give money to to a uh, food shelter or to 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 actually feed the hungry or things like that. It's a wonderful thing. But oftentimes people do those things because they think that that's that's their ticket to have it or whatever it is. They 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 want to be right in their own eyes. But understand, folks. I mean, we are in a society today. It's it's where it's it's a really upside down, and uh, we see people today who, uh, again, they they believe in science when it comes to things like, well, when it comes to things like uh, I don't know uh, <laughs> what pi is or what gravity is, but then they deny science with when they buy into things like well the that natural natural immunity is not even a thing anymore when it comes to COVID or when they deny science, when they say that the 
melting polar caps or rising, raising the ocean levels when there's no evidence of that, or when they say uh, they deny science when they say that you know uh, people can transition from one gender to another. I mean, you know, th- these are things that they deny science, but then they say, with, but they the science that they they hold to, the science of gravity or whatever. You know, science is interesting. Science is science. You know, there is no consensus science out there. Whenever you have to get a consensus on something, it's not science. Because science is a fact, whether one person believes it or no person believes it, it's still fact. Okay, gravity would still be gravity, whether or not anybody believed it. Okay, so let's just make make it, make it a point to, for all of us to understand. You know, when you see people that are doing wonderful things for other people, a wonderful you know, uh, acts of, of humanity, if you will. It's sort of like, I mean, you see, you, you just don't just understand that there's more substance to people than that. You know, I mean, you know, the proverbial give somebody the, the, the shirt off your back or your own jacket or something when it's on a cold day. Well, that may all seem wonderful and everything, but that same person the next day <clears throat> would, uh, that, you know, cuss out their coworker or, 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 um, you know, or basically, uh, judge their co-worker for making a decision you know uh for, for deciding to do something on the job that uh or or you know for comments they made about their personal life you know when somebody talks about well you know i'm, I'm, I'm pro-life and you know i i believe i'm gonna i'm gonna support i'm gonna protect the babies by going to that abortion clinic and praying for those people going inside well those same people that commit those acts of humanity are the same people that criticize these people for exercising their free rights their 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 god-given right to to protect the unborn i think that's a very very important point here folks well anyway we have to leave it there i appreciate and thank you so much for all of our listeners taking time to listen to us today tune in later today for our show the watch room we got a great show lined up for you see you next week on the point folks i'm clay Brees. goodbye for now